there. This is Elazar Bloom with Relationships Revisited. And I am very, very grateful to be with you. Just a reminder that if you're enjoying these episodes, please rate and review on the wherever you listen to podcasts, on Apple, on Spotify, Google, wherever it is, please leave a nice review. It helps get the, the word out there, and that's really the goal. Also, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions for future episodes or comments, questions on previous episodes, please reach out to me, elazarbloom.com slash RR for Relationships Revisited, and uh, put your comment there. Look forward to hearing from you in that in that venue. So today, I'm gonna, I'd like to speak about something which has been on my mind for a while, and I'm excited about putting it out there. And it has to do with religious observance. I myself am an observant Jew, and in my journey and my my path, I think a lot about meticulousness, levels of observance, um, the nature, how that fits into relationship, uh, the meaning there, and it's something that I myself give quite a bit of of thought to. And the question I'm going to begin with is: Is meticulous meticulousness in religious observance, is it a good thing? And the answer I want to propose is that it really depends. It really depends. Just to backtrack, there's a a, a statement, a general principle in Jewish philosophy that says the intellect by its nature rules over the heart. Hamoach sholit al-halev. And that sounds really good. I mean, it sounds true. And I think the thrust of this, this nugget is that we can overcome bad habits. We can un- overcome urges towards selfishness and self-centered inclinations by employing the power of the mind. And that is true. That's inherently true. But, and here's, it's a really big but, but for a traumatized mind, this principle, like anything else, can not only be problematic, but it can even be destructive. And here's why. And this is something that I've seen. So um, I'm going to try and you know give a, the best explanation that I can with, a, with an example. A traumatized mind has been hijacked. What's it hijacked by? It's hijacked by thought patterns that are automatic, rigid, and inherently negative. It's the result of being left alone with overwhelming feelings. When a child is left alone with feelings that could not be successfully processed in a compassionate space. So what happens then is that young mind has to adapt. It has to it has to deal with that situation without a stronger, wiser other to support him in that through that process. And what happens is in that isolation, maladaptive coping strategies, things that are they're, they're adaptive, but they're not in, they're not effectively adaptive, and negative beliefs about oneself, about others begin to emerge. So when a person that has that has been hijacked by by the effects of trauma, when this person later learns that he can improve himself, he, he can he can grow by having his mind 
rule over his heart, what mind is he using at that point? The mind that he's using is the are these thought patterns, are these strategies, are what's been employed to deal with the trauma in isolation. So here's an example. It's a fictional example. If it sounds familiar, it's it's purely by coincidence. But a, a, an example that comes to mind. It's like you have a boy named Joseph. Joseph's parents are good people. They were decent. They were menschlich, good people, well-intentioned. They were not abusive. They were well-to-do and they were responsible. They were also limited and they were very often distracted and distant. Joseph was giving everything that he could ask for materially, but his efforts at learning, growing, taking risks, succeeding, adventuring, creating, all of his efforts were were rarely noticed. There was very little taking pride or cherishing his accomplishments. There was no curiosity about his feelings, about his inner world, about his needs, about his wants. There was not there was very little acknowledging of his courage and his efforts in new and dif- or, or difficult situations. There was very little compassion or understanding for his emotional distress and pain. There just wasn't space. And at best, Joseph felt tolerated, and he often felt alone. So you might say that that doesn't sound like trauma, right? Trauma, you think of like sexual molestation or horrible physical abuse or um, being malnourished, um, things that, that, big T traumas, things that that stand out as, as traumatic. This doesn't sound so bad, right? In some ways, in many ways, you're correct. Joseph was spared these big T traumas of physical or sexual abuse. But something significant and and painful did happen to Joseph, and he had to adapt to it. These are often referred to as little t traumas, and they are the repeated painful experiences of being emotionally neglected and ignored. And those experiences had to then be managed by Joseph. His young mind had to adapt to this experience without any, any real input from a mature, wise outside source. So what's one strategy that a, a seven-year-old Joseph's might, mind might employ? What might his mind then do? How might it adapt? So it might seem something like this, this type of internal dialogue. Okay, so nobody's really noticing me, okay? What's wrong with me that, that they don't notice? Well, maybe I haven't been trying hard enough. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's because I'm not as smart as, as, as Jennifer. Maybe it's because Jeremy is better than me at baseball. I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I always forget to wipe my shoes on the mat and mom gets so annoyed with me. What can I do? What, what, do I, what, what can I do? Maybe if I show that I'm the best. Maybe if I don't ever make any mistakes, or at least nobody sees them, then I'll be noticed. Then I'll be loved more. Maybe then I'll feel better. So Joseph, and you know, with it, has his mind be, you know, deals with this situation, begins to embark on a crusade of effort, intensity, 
and the search for perfect performance, outstanding perform- performance constantly. And it does work sometimes. He brings home a, a really great report card and his mom smiles. When he's able to give all the answers at the, at the Shabbat table to the, the questions on the Torah portion, his father perks up and, and smiles. The guests are impressed. The mantra of be the best and do the most is his salvation. It gets him the approval that he needs. And this approval is his closest ticket to feeling loved. And when Joseph is unable to be the best or do the most, well, his mind has a a prepared solution for that as well. It has this other aspect which becomes like this shaming critic. What's wrong with you? How could you get that wrong? That was such an easy question. Everybody at the table was watching and, and, and waiting. You made a fool of yourself. Now study harder and make sure that never happens again. So I know this anecdote is, is simple and it's fiction, it's obviously fictional, but I can hope I hope you can see how Joseph's mind moved into the vacuum, created an, an adaptation in this vacuum that was that was created by the by trauma, and it devised a very powerful and even somewhat successful, okay, limited but somewhat successful solution. So as the years progress and this adaptation continues to be reinforced. Every time pain is experienced in Joseph's mind, he has a prepared solution. Do more, try harder, be the best. And so when in a sophomore year class in high school, his rabbi teaches the class, the mind rules over the heart tells him about the power of the mind and how the mind has the capacity and the power to rule over the, the inclinations of the part. Joseph perks up. He's like, that's right. That's right. That's my mantra. The, the Torah is saying what I knew all along. Give me more. Give me more. And the truth of the matter is, is that this is only reinforcing a conditioned thought pattern that is based on the trauma-inspired beliefs of I'm not enough. What's wrong with me? The very the very negative beliefs, the false beliefs that led to the solution, the mind solution of be the best, look perfect, constantly perform at the highest level. And now, sadly enough, the the, the mind has a new has a new domain, it has a new um has a new area to expand into, and that's the domain of religious observance. Now it has self-righteous, holy backing, and it's often running in the religious realm because in the religious realm, there really are no limits to how perfect, how, how much effort you can put in. Perfect, consistent, flawless observance of, of God's will is now on the, on the mind's agenda as well. And it, it's sad and painful to write this. The hope is, and the, I do have confidence that this will happen, is that this 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 house of cards, the mind solution to a to a problem that was the result of trauma and not being seen in that place of pain, is that this flimsy house of cards will become unsustainable. It will eventually collapse, 
And there will be pain. Unfortunately, there will be there will be pain. There'll be suffering there. And at the same time, that is when healing can begin. That is when Joseph can begin to enter into a more authentic relationship with the divine. It can be real now. It can start to grow from a from um, a, a true source. So the mind does rule over the heart. It does, but. When definition of mind equals false negative beliefs and thought patterns that were a child's best attempt at managing the unmanageable, so it, that hijacks the true nature and power of a pure mind that needs to be freed before it can direct the heart and all of the other processes as well in a healthy direction. So I hope this makes sense, and I hope it, it really see that this is something that happens frequently, especially in the religious world. Okay, I've seen this quite a number of times, um, different iterations of it. In the next episode, what I hope to do is share a, a very simple and proven effective way to begin working with trauma-based thought patterns, okay, so that there can be some space and some distance between those patterns and the more pure mind that can observe them. And I look forward to doing that. Thanks again for joining me here on uh, this episode of Relationships Revisited. And I look forward to seeing you and being with you next time in the space between.